You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. So I just got back in uh, last night from a big trip up in uh, Marble Canyon. Never been up there before by Page, Arizona. It was really pretty awesome experience for me. There's me and the elder team. <clears throat> and that's uh, Steve and Andy right there in the middle and then me on the other side. And they're all wearing their North Valley shirts, serve like Jesus. And I started noticing that. I'm like, dang, I guess I just didn't, didn't fit, fit in. So I guess I wasn't serving like Jesus that day, but we were having a lot of fun. And uh, this is a picture. We went, uh, had an elders retreat and then we, I caught a big fish. Look at that sucker. Yeah, so first service did a lot bigger. Wow. I guess you guys aren't fishermen or something. Come on, that's big. I mean, look, it's all the way down to my knees, up to my head. I mean, that thing, I mean, you have to be bowed up just to hold it. No, I, uh, it's funny, is that's actually a picture trick. I sent it to one friend of mine, and they're like, total Photoshop. I'm like, that's not Photoshop, I promise. It's a picture, you just hold the fish real close to the camera. That's all you do. And it looks huge. So uh, I always send those back to my dad back in Arkansas, and he's like, dang, how do y'all catch those fish? So don't tell him, okay? If you see him coming around, uh, he'll be here uh, for, for quail season in January, February, and we're going to have a good time hunting together. But he's, it's so funny. So uh, that's my little secret I told you guys. Um, you know, hey, uh, uh, I love the outdoors, love being in the outdoors. We're going to open up this Ramada. For those of you, if you just kind of uncomfortable at any point in time and you would just want to make space and go out there, you can for any of the services moving forward. It's really good. Um, that's one of the coolest things about this church. It's just like this incredible outdoor oasis and uh, such a special place. So I hope you kind of get recalibrated, re-encouraged today. So glad to see all of you here um, today we're talking about the rapture, and it's the next big event on God's prophetic calendar. So it, is, uh, it could happen at any point in time, and this word, the rapture, let's look at a passage of Scripture to help us grasp a meaning of it. But in Revelation chapter 3, it's called the Book of Blessing, Revelation, let's all say Book of Blessing, Book of Blessing. As we read it, we get blessed. So read this and be blessed. Look what it says about this rapture. This, because you have kept my word, this is Jesus, about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to those who dwell on the earth. What is the rapture? We'll just hold that passage of scripture up for a moment. It is in the Greek, the Greek word is uh, harpozo, and it's mentioned some 13 to 14 different times, and it means to be caught up, to be taken up. Um, it's to save us um, from, it's a belief that the church has held. Um, guys like John MacArthur, um, uh, uh, Chuck Smith, Billy Graham, David Jeremiah, um, a number of other Bible scholars, Greg Laurie, Bible preachers, teachers, um, Chuck Swindoll, to name a few, have held to this idea that the church is going to be saved from this coming trial and tribulation. And as we see our cities being set on fire, we see riots and looting, and we are wondering, like, what in the world is going on? We need, as a Christian, not to be uber, uber anxious, but absolutely aware. We don't need to be scared. We need to be absolutely prepared. And prophecy tells us, by the way, prophecy is a prediction of what's going to happen in the future. I'm a 
futurist Christian. As a Christian, you ought to be futurist in your mindset. In the first coming of Jesus Christ, there was hundreds of prophecies leading up to Jesus coming to be born on earth. In the second coming, when Jesus returns, for every one prophecy for the first coming, there's eight for his second. So the Bible's loaded with prophecy. So we love prophecy at this church because the Bible is prophecy, and so we, we love that. While this at the same time is one of the series, I haven't taught this kind of series ever before. Um, I've studied it for years and years, and I've been really excited to teach this, planned on it about a year ago. But this idea of rapture ought to give us encouragement today. Um, it's this idea that we're, the church is going to be caught up and be saved from the coming trials and tribulations. And it's uh, what we look at as scripture is that there's been kind of a prophetic warning call to the church. And some people have asked me, Pastor Ryan, do you think that the coronavirus is the sign of the end of the times? My response is yes and no. Um, yes in that, I think it is a, it's a wake-up and a shake-up call for all believers around the world to realize that we, we need to make sure we're ready uh, the world, in a sense, feels like it's on fire, amen, at some level. And, and there is this uh, kind of awakening, I think, of the conscience, especially of Americans right now. I call it a Christian memory. I think our country has a Christian memory. Right now, we're trying to remember just how much do we really believe about all this stuff. Um, I don't think the coronavirus is an absolute sign of the time in, in other senses, though, because Jesus said that when there, is, uh, there will be plagues, pandemics, and uh, uh, immense persecution in the, trial, in the tribulation to come, a seven-year tribulation that will be on earth, and I'll teach on that later. But he said that it's going to be unparalleled like nothing the world has ever, ever seen before. In other words, it will be so big, the trials and the tribulations and the suffering, that it could be never compared to anything that's already happened. And with the coronavirus, as difficult and hard and, and, and all that is, is what I'm saying to you is, is when we look in a historic, we'll look at that in the, in the weeks to come, the historical global events of pandemics, there have been some massive ones far bigger than this coronavirus. And what I would tell you is this, is we absolutely need to take precautions. We absolutely need to be really careful, but this is not it. I, I do not think so. What, we're, what we are waiting for is this rapture. The coronavirus is a, is, is a setup to show you that there could be worldwide pandemics that affect the entire world, absolutely. And if you go back last week and I talked on the sign of the time being globalization, I think that will indicate and tie in to the coronavirus because once the coronavirus hit, you had a 10 uh, uh, leaders form a global alliance and those kind of uh, predictions are in prophecy and do tell us that those are signs of the times. So this whole thing with uh, the rapture, let me get into the three main views of the timing of the rapture. One is pre-tribulation. This is, uh, you're going to be stretched in your mental capacities today. You're going to hear words you've never heard before. Um, that's what I say when I take my kids hunting with guys that like to cuss a lot. I'm like, you're going to learn a new vocabulary today. And then they come home. I'm like, don't repeat that. Don't tell mom that word. And you're going to learn a new vocabulary today. I'm, we're not going to teach you cuss words. We're going to teach you Bible words and theological words. Pre-tribulation is a view that many hold, like I mentioned before, all those Bible preacher teachers, it's a predominant view in, I would say, American church Christianity. 
Um, and it's held around the world as well, but this one is a very large one. We've got a lot of great Bible preacher teachers in this country. The pre-tribulation view is the view that the rapture will occur before the future seven-year tribulation, where the church-age believers will be caught up from earth to heaven. So you'd be driving down the road, it could, the rapture could happen at any point in time, you'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden something happens, boop, you hear this noise and look up, there's Jesus and boom, you like shot up into the clouds. I mean, that'd be really cool. Um, and then you know, the whole world knows, immediately after that point, there's a seven-year tribulation. That's one view. The other view is mid-tribulation. This is the idea that the rapture will occur at the midpoint of the tribulation. And again, coronavirus is bad, but what I'm saying is the tribulation is a hundred times worse than coronavirus. It is the most horrific kind of experience you could imagine. It, it will be a, the families turning against families, friends turning against friends, total civil war, total destruction, global chaos, and out of that chaos will rise one leader, and that leader will be called the Antichrist. And he will set up a, gr- a brand new global economy and government. And you're like, no, that could never happen. Oh, it can happen. And so um, this mid-tribulation view indicates that believers will be stuck on earth, and they'll experience three and a half years of this tribulation. Then they'll get raptured up. Then there's the post-tribulation view. This is probably the second largest view that most people hold to. It, it believes that the rapture happens after the seven-year tribulation, which doesn't make a lot of sense from, from my perspective uh, for many reasons. I'll give you three really quick. Uh, again, you're going to have to dig in on uh, kind of your, put on your Bible thinking cap for a moment. Um, but why I disagree is, is number one, is because... Um, in Revelation, the book of blessing, if you study Revelation from chapter one all the way to the end of the book, you'll see in the first three chapters, this word, and it's describing end times, the first three chapters, the word church or ekklesia in the Greek is mentioned 19 times. So as a, somebody who studies the Bible, a, a, a principle for Bible study is whatever is related, whatever is repeated, it's the law of proportion, you should pay attention to it. Like, kind of important, 19 times. And it's talking about preparation for the church and how the church is doing and what the church should do. And then in chapter four, through all the way to chapter 18, Revelation talks about the tribulation. Well, guess what? The word ecclesia, the church, is gone. It's not even there. So the church, and from my understanding, is absolutely absent from this tribulation. So this means this is really good news for us as believers is that we don't we're not in that tribulation. That, that's not us. We're, we're not there. Now, some people will come to faith in Christ during the tribulation, which again is a God showcasing and highlighting. He's always been good and always been gracious. So anybody that's left behind is going to have a chance to put their faith in Christ. But this post-tribulation view, I don't think it makes sense because the word ecclesia is not in chapters 4 through 18, while it's mentioned 19 times in chapters 1 through 3. Um, second reason why I don't agree with the post-tribulation view is that If the post-tribulation view is real, then this idea that Jesus could come at any time is really not true. 
Um, because if Jesus is going to rapture his church at the very end of the tribulation, then we know what scripture tells us that there's going to be this massive tribulation. Um, there'll be plagues, there'll be earthquakes, there'll be famines, there'll be fires like never seen before in American history, worldwide history. So we will know, and there will be this guy who rises to power called the Antichrist. So post-tribulation kind of forces the idea that we would absolutely know the times, and Jesus said nobody knows the times. So it annihilates this doctrine, what we will call the doctrine of imminency, that Jesus could return at any time. And then secondly, Paul's writing, or thirdly, Paul's writing indicates a pre-rapture view. Um, that he's going to save us from the coming wrath. If you look in your Bible in 1 Thessalonians, and we'll get there in a minute, but it talks about Paul's writing to the church and saying, you're going to be saved from this coming wrath. So he constantly says that kind of stuff. Revelation tells that we're going to be saved from the trial and the coming hours, and Jesus indicates that he's going to rapture us and take us, and so it just doesn't make sense. Believers are, are going to be saved from all this. And there's a number of other arguments, which I don't have time to get into today, but let's look at a few core passages in the Bible that support classically and historically this foundational truth that we believe in, or I don't want to call it foundational, but let's say a very important doctrine called the rapture. Foundational doctrine would be like the deity of Jesus Christ, the authority of Scripture. These are kind of doctrines that are like, I would call like open-handed. Like if you don't believe in the pre-tribulation view or whatever, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means you're probably super panicky and freaked out because you're stuck in the tribulation and you're going to be in trouble. But uh, John chapter 14, 1 through 3, let's look at what Jesus says. John chapter 14, Jesus speaks, and he's writing to his, he's uh, communicating to his disciples, and he says, uh, let, your, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And he's alive and he's talking about the future. I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that he's going to come pick up his kids. You know, like every once in a while, um, my wife will text me while I'm working and she'll say, hey, I've got to run some errands. I've put uh, my uh, Riley in charge of the rest of the kids or whatever, or Sam in charge, and you need to go pick up the kids. I get a text message and I say, reply back. I say, sure, I'm busy. Make sure they're ready and they're on the porch and at least looking out the window because I'm busy. And so I go, pull up to the house, hit my horn and... Most of the time, the kids don't come out, you know? So then you got to get out and ring the doorbell, and you're like, come on, didn't you, didn't you hear this? And so what we see in Scripture is that there's, a, there's, an, a, a, there's communication that God has given through his prophets, through his Scripture, that our good Heavenly Father is coming to pick us up, and we need to be ready. We don't need to be stuck in the back room playing the Xbox. We need to be ready. We got to be ready because he wants to come and rescue us. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. This is Apostle Paul, mystery. Uh, we shall not all sleep, meaning he's talking about death. The Bible talks about sleep and death, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but we shall all be changed. Uh, verse 52. 
this rapture is going to happen very quickly. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. This is a core passage that indicates the idea of a couple of things. Is one is, is that there's going to be many of us that get to cheat death. We could be the generation that never dies. We all have a date of birth, but guess what? There's just a chance that we're not going to have a date of death. We're going to live forever. You might ask the question is, has that happened before in biblical history? Has there been a rapture where people didn't actually die? Yeah, it did. A guy named Enoch uh, in Genesis 5.24, it says he walked with God and he was not, meaning he um, uh, was raptured and then for God took him. God literally just took him. So he, he never died. This was before the days of the flood, and it's actually reaffirmed in Hebrews chapter 11. Additionally, you get a guy in the Bible who was raptured as well, got to cheat death as well. In the New Testament, Philip, he's a first century evangelist. In Acts chapter 8, and verses 39 through 40, he baptized literally a politician in a puddle of water. I mean, that, that could actually be a good thing for us to do today, right? We ought to baptize politicians in a puddle of water. So he does it. And you see our, our little baptismal, it's like, yeah, yeah, we need to dig that thing out a little bit, but it works. So he baptizes this politician in a puddle of water, and then immediately after that, he's raptured up, and he gets to cheat death. Rapture occurs also in, in many other parts of the Scripture. Um, Elijah's caught up in a whirlwind. Many scholars, uh, Bible thinkers believe that was a rapture. Isaiah, in chapter 6 of his book, he's caught up into a courtroom and has a divine consultation with God about the nation of Israel. And then the Apostle Paul talks about being caught up again, the same kind of word, and while he's living into a third heaven. And then Jesus himself is raptured up in Acts chapter 1. He ascends right before the very eyes of the disciples. And so we are awaiting this other rapture, the church rapture. All believers are awaiting this rapture. And it will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Let's look at Matthew 24, 40 through 42. Is it going to be for everybody? No, it's going to be surprising. It's going to be sad for many because some will be left behind. Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 42, Jesus says this, then two men will be in a field, in the field, one will be taken, meaning raptured up, and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one left. Let's, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at this last passage. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. In other words, that's the doctrine of imminency. It could happen at any point in time. You don't know. You need to stay awake. It could happen to anybody. In this case, there's people you can imagine will be, uh, they're working, and then one's gone. So you'll be at, with coworkers, some believers, some unbelievers. And in a moment's time, believers will be gone, and the unbelievers will be left behind. It's a startling, startling reality. The whole world's going to shift into chaos in a very, very short period of time. Imagine millions of people being mysteriously taken. I can already imagine the headlines, UFOs, I knew it. Area 51, we're going to raid that baby. Tweet this, Facebook that, we're going down. They took millions of people. Like, 
I mean, the whole world's going to come up with all sorts of scenarios, and out of the chaos, the whole economy is going to start spinning out of control. We're going to have pandemics and plagues and persecution. The three P's in the, tri- in the tribulation will come at a rate you've never even heard of before, all around the whole world. And then there will be a leader that rises up and tries to create calmness in this. So the Bible tells us, though, that some are going to be left behind. This is not a fun thing. Uh, as a kid, I grew up hunting and fishing, and my dad would, told me, he said, son, you just need to grow up a little bit, and you need to set your own alarm clock, and then me and the boys and um, your Uncle Bill and all that, we're going we're gonna to go hunting, and you need to set your own alarm clock. So sure enough, one morning, I, uh, one night, I set my alarm clock, and I set it for like 4 a.m., and I accidentally put it to 4 p.m., and uh, so I wake up. And at 10 a.m., I think I'm like moving and grooving, and then I look at the alarm clock, and it says 10 a.m. I run outside to see if they waited for me. Of course not. They were gone. I got left behind. The feeling of like, I got left. What was my dad doing? He was teaching me a lesson. He told me, be ready. I I don't want to leave you. What the scripture tells us right here when Jesus says this, he's saying there will be some that are left. My friends, what I'm saying is you don't want to be left. It's not like missing a fun trip. No, it's being stuck with hell on earth is what it's like. And in God's grace, there's actually going to be a massive revival that goes on. Because can you imagine all the people that are like, oh, my Uncle Bill was right. He invited me to church. He shared his testimony. I should have listened to him. I always tell people like, somebody asked me, what would, you, what would happen at the church? You know, what do you imagine would happen if like half the church was raptured and the other half got left behind? I was like, well, I, 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 I mean, the Bible says there'll be revival, so many would come to faith in Christ. I said, my imagination would be is that they would come to church and look around and be like, oh, you're there? You're here? You're here? And then they come up with a new name for the church, like the Church of Second Chances. So, I mean, it's going to happen there's so many prophecies on the first coming. I believe the prophecies of the second coming are important for us to believe as well. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 20. Love this passage. This is probably what gets me the most clear on my, in my mind about biblical prophecy in a pre-tribulation rapture view, meaning we're going to be raptured before all this crazy stuff goes down. And it's crazy now, so I don't want to downplay that, okay? I don't want to downplay the reality that the, the rioting, the looting, the coronavirus, uh, the economy shift, like all of that. I, I do not want to downplay that. It has a tremendous impact on millions and millions and millions, if not billions of people all around the world. However, what I'm saying is, is when I teach on the tribulation, I'm telling you, it's nothing like what we're going to see in the future. It is all going to be amplified to levels you've never even heard of before. This is good news right here, friends. Look what the Apostle Paul does to the church in Thessalonica. He writes in the first century, and they're talking about it then. Like, so this whole idea has been going on for a very, very long time. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, meaning he's writing to the church, about those who are asleep, you may, uh, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, let's look at that word asleep just for a moment. Here's the good news. As a believer, the Bible talks about um, that as a believer, death is like a nap. It's like you're asleep for a little bit. Because uh, there is a a reality that when we um, die, 
that we're not really dead, our souls. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So immediately our souls go to heaven, and we have maybe some kind of celestial body of some sort, but the Bible talks about how we're gonna, there's gonna, our bodies are going to be resurrected. And you're like, even, even if they, we, my relative got cremated? Yeah, dude, sure, absolutely. Like, he can do anything. If he makes us out of dust, then why can't he bring dust back together and make a body, you know? And so there is this uh, good news that the Apostle Paul is writing and encouraging the church in Thessalonica about those loved ones, perhaps, that have died in the past at this church, and telling them not to worry, because he said, look what he says, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. What do you have as a believer? You got hope, man. You got hope that all those before that died, you're going to see them again. You're going to be with them. You, you got hope. And those who are asleep, it's like they're taking a nap. So uh, my little girl does not like naps. I always say, you got to take a nap. I don't want a nap. I don't want to take a nap. I don't like naps. And then finally, I get them to sit there long enough. I'm like, well, close your eyelids and count to 100. And then like, boom. And then they wake up and they're fresh and fired up. And I mean, I didn't like naps either. I mean, it took me until like I'm 40. And then after 40, I'm like, dude, I love naps. I'm going to nap this afternoon. I'm going to lay on that couch, watch that football. I'm going to nap, a holy nap, be a sweet nap. Naps, you wake from a nap and you're refreshed. Well, guess what? When you die, friends, it's like a nap. You're just asleep for a little bit. You're not gone. You're going to wake up. You'll be fully with the Lord, a brand new body, feeling really good. And, and this is encouraging for those of us that have lost loved ones. They're just taking a nap. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So he's talking about this rapture that God is going to bring all those who have passed away in, this, in the past, specifically the church age, and I'll clarify that in a moment, but it means that any person that's ever died in the past that believed in Jesus Christ during the church age, meaning the birth of the church moving forward till present day or the rapture day, the Lord's going to, he's going to resurrect them and it'll be a rapture at the same time. So it's kind of amazing. It's like two events in one, a resurrection, a physical resurrection and a rapture at the same time. That's going to happen first. And then look what it says as well. The Apostle Paul is trying to cement this in, that this is encouraging or um, very authoritative. Verse 15, he says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, meaning this is Bible, this is, you better believe this, that we who are alive, who are left, meaning the ones that have not been raptured yet, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So you're like, wait, 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 what does that mean? That means that those that have passed away in years past will first be resurrected and then raptured. And then us who are still alive, we're going to come right in after them. The Apostle Paul's saying, I know that's a lot. Let me repeat that. Watch this. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry command, with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God in the dead, that's those who are asleep. But notice what it says, in Christ. Everybody say that together. In Christ. What does that mean? That means the church age believers. That's what it means. It means those that are um, believed in Jesus Christ from the time when Jesus 
did the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surely I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Man, I should be like a, uh, what do they call those uh, guys that sit on stage and auctioneers. That would be awesome. All I need to do is drink two Red Bulls. That's all I need to do. So, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So they'll rise first. And then verse 17, ha-ha, then we, who's we? Paul's talking about himself too, who are alive, meaning everybody who's alive, who are left, not meaning left for the tribulation, but right behind them, right behind those that got raised first, will be caught up. That's that word harposo 17 times um, in the New Testament, or 13 times in the New Testament, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. I think Paul was trying to encourage people to lighten up, not to freak out. That's what I want to do. I just want you to lighten up and realize, like, I'm telling you, this whole Christian thing is a good thing. You get life everlasting forever, but you also get, you get the presence and the peace of God right here and right now. I need that a lot. I I call out all the time, God, I need your peace right now. I got tragedy going on. I got family issues going on. I got loss. I got hardship. I need the peace of Christ right now. And God's word kind of tells us like, hey, it's going to get bad. Jesus said, don't worry. I'll take you to myself. I'll come pick you up. Paul says, no, let me tell you how it's all going to lay out. In 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, go back and read it. He says, I'm going to tell you about the glorious return of the Lord. You'll be saved from the day of wrath. I feel good about that. I got a little peace about kind of what's going on in these problems. And so when my friends say, oh, is it the end of the world? I'm like, well, kind of. It's getting there. But you need to trust Christ, man. That's what you need to do. You need to get things right. And when you do, you, you realize these incredible truths. Number one, uh, seven important truths is the rapture is a signless event. This is why it's so important, too, to go ahead and get ready with God right away. Meaning the rapture could happen at any point in time. Jesus said that nobody knows the day nor the hour. It could happen at any point in time. Paul thought in the first century, some 2,000 years ago, hey, it, could, it could be today. Just get ready. And the author of Hebrews says, encourage one another all the more as you see the final day approaching, meaning it's coming. So one is you need to understand that the rapture is a signless event. There there is no other sign that you need for the rapture to happen. It could happen by the time I'm done preaching. And I've talked to folks and they're like, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to be raptured. I'm like, no, 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 you do. You, You do want to be raptured. Some people have said, well, maybe I could just wait around for the later when it came back. You know, like, I'm like, no, 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 you want to go, man. It's because it's going to be like, a... well, I don't know if I told you the story or not, but I, I went out to Sheep's Bridge just a couple weeks ago. I drove some four by fours out there and me and some friends and, and uh, the forest service had, had uh, talked about the Sears fire that broke out just of Cave Creek and kind of start sending out warnings. And I called the ranger district and said, you know, how bad is this fire? Because we're going in at Sheep's Bridge. It's like, you know, I don't know, 100 miles north of Cape Creek. Could we by chance be affected by this? And he said, no, don't worry about it. And then sure enough, we get out there and 
Forest Service comes up and gets on the megaphone and says, evacuate, evacuate, fire is coming. And we all loaded up really fast. Party's over. That's a downer. Fire's coming. And in that moment, I just thought for a split second, I mean, and then the forest ranger said, well, it wouldn't probably hit here for a day or two, but you, you, should, you should leave. Um, if I didn't heed that wisdom, I'd be a fool. Imagine all our, our families being burned up, stuck in a forest, no way to get out. That's a little scary. The rapture's like, the rapture's to protect you from that. God's got the megaphone on the prophets and saying the day's coming of judgment. You ought to be ready. So what do we do? We, we, we turn to Jesus Christ. And what happens is that the Forest Service didn't have, but what Jesus is going to have, is like a helicopter. He's like, load up, let's go. Fly out of there. So it could happen at any moment in time. Number two, the rapture is a surprising event. Matthew 24, 44, uh, Jesus said, be ready. It's a coming hour that you do, you do not expect. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says the, door, the, the day of the Lord is going to be like a thief in the night. So it's on your program, and I'm, I'm going through a lot of different biblical passages, so you can get on your program through the YouVersion Bible app, or you can go online and look at all the daily devotionals, because this is like a theological overview of the doctrine of the rapture. But this is it's going to happen. It's going to be a very surprising event. Nobody's, you can't plan it. You can't put it on the calendar like, okay, the rapture's going to happen at this point in time. I mean, a guy named Harold Camping tried to do that, and, you know, by, Jesus says, don't listen to those people. Like when they start naming a day and a time, just write them off. Don't spend time with them. Don't listen to them. Don't, don't do that. Um, it could happen at any point in time. And then it says, uh, number three, um, seven important truths is the rapture, the rapture is a sudden event. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, um, there's this word there. It says that it could happen in a moment. Uh, the word moment in the Greek is itamos, and it means like an atom. It's invisible to the naked eye. You can't see it, but it's absolutely there. It could happen in a moment. And to reinforce this idea, the Apostle Paul says it's in the twinkling of an eye. Like, like my eye doesn't twinkle a lot, but imagine a twinkling eye. It's one in one thousandth of a second. That's how fast it moves. So the rapture is going to be instantaneous. It's going to happen so quick. So all the loved ones that you loved before will be raised first. Their bodies, they'll get new physical bodies, be reunited with their soul. They'll be up in heaven and then... You'll be right behind them. I don't know what it's going to look like, but be buzzing up there. And so it's a surprising event. And then number three, the rapture is a sudden event. I, I mentioned that the, the moment and the twinkling of an eye. And then number four, the rapture is a selective event. This means it's not for all people, that it's actually only for believers. And you say, well, are you sure? I'm very sure. If I believe the Bible then I got to believe the selectiveness, the exclusivity of this rapture is for the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, let that be one of your anchor passages for your position on what you believe about a rapture or what you believe about a pre-tribulation view. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he starts out and he writes brothers. He's talking to Christians. Um, through Jesus Christ, we've been, uh, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the good news is, is that we're adopted into a family. So even if we've got a crummy family, a terrible family, we're adopted into the family of God. God becomes our heavenly father. And then um, 
through Jesus Christ, uh, we all become brothers and sisters. That's why people at some churches go, Brother Bill, Sister Mary, you know, and they're kind of like biblically, theologically correct. Like that, you could call each other brother and sister. Like that's totally okay. The Apostle Paul addresses believers. It's a selective event. He's talking about this rapture for believers. Verse 14, he reassures that this is, we believe in the gospel. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And then in verse 16, he says, it's for those that are in Christ. So that word, if you're new to the Christian faith or you haven't heard it before, in Christ means like you're identified with Jesus Christ. So when we do baptisms, it's like you're in Christ, like you're identified with his life. The old is gone, the new has come. You're in Christ, and Christ is in you, and that's, that's awesome. And so here you see that it's a selective event, and then number five, it's a spectacular event. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, again, I'm just kind of hunkering down in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says that the Lord himself, so he, it's not like he's sending you know, an angel to come pick you up. It's not like he's sending Air Force One to come pick you up. He's coming for you. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. The Lord himself will come. He will descend from heaven with a cry, a command with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet. So some have asked the question is, will I be able to hear this like rapture sound? I mean, Paul gives kind of three illustrations. Look there in your Bible if you've got one, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. He says with a cry of a command, it's like the, the Lord's army. He's like calling them. He's like, it's time. It's time to go. Evacuate. And then he says with the voice of the arch, archangel and with the sound of the trumpet. I, I, there's not a whole lot um, that the Bible and other places of Scripture that actually reinforce this idea other than that we're going to be able to hear something. It's going to be a very spectacular event. You know, I kind of, I'm like into the dog training thing. And so like with a dog whistle, I know I can blow it and like my dogs can hear, but like people can't, you know, and I, I don't want to like put us down on the doggy level, but I mean, I know we all love dogs, but so, but we're going to hear something. It's going to be something, and other people won't see it. So believers will hear something, and they will, in an instant, be transported physically, literally. Not, and you're like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure Enoch did that. Philip did that. I mean, when the word is used rapture, it doesn't mean like it's a spiritual metaphorical sense, like, I was just raptured. No, it's like a physical thing. And so it will be, it'll happen, there'll be this noise of some sort, as Scripture says, it'll be a spectacular event. And I think of, it's the Lord Himself that's coming, which is really, really cool. And I think, well, like, there'll be a, a resurrection of all those that we've loved in the past, graves from all around the world will rise, people will rise from their grave physical bodies, restored, reunited with the soul for all those of past, those of us who are alive will be following right behind them, according to Scripture, and then we will be with the Lord. And what's amazing is, as you look at John chapter 11, when Jesus called out to Lazarus, Lazarus was dead, he was in the grave for several days, and then he goes to the grave and he yells, Lazarus, come out! 
And some Bible scholars, thinkers, and whatnot have said, imagine what would have happened if he didn't say his name, but just come out. Perhaps millions of, of, of believers that were in the graves would have risen. But he called his name. So we're dealing with the Almighty God who says that he himself is going to come from heaven to earth to rescue us. So the rapture is a spectacular event. The rapture is a sequential event. It says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, and then working down, it says, the Lord himself will descend. So in the rapture, the Lord, where is he now? He's in heaven at the right hand of God. The Father, he will leave it that heavenly uh, throne room. He will come down, the scripture says, in a cloud of some sort. And then he will descend from heaven to earth's atmosphere Verse 16, and then it says, and then the dead in Christ will rise, numero uno, first. So that means all of our friends and families that have, uh, were believers, meaning they just love Jesus Christ, and you're like, well, what about if they were Catholic, or what if they were Episcopalian, or blah, blah, blah. If they believed in Jesus, and Jesus is the essentials of the deity of Jesus Christ, doesn't matter which label you slap on there other than what is that person's belief. And the good news is the Bible says it's a sequential event. God will come down, the dead in Christ, all those that believed in Jesus will raise. And in an instantaneous moment, all of us who are alive will be immediately following that train. We'll be on that train. And we'll be, it'll be a very spe- sequential event. And then it says... Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. Number seven, seventh truth is the rapture is in a, it's a strengthening event. So again, this is why I'm such an optimist. I'm a futurist. I'm an optimist. I really believe as a Christian, if you immerse yourself in Christian theology and Bible, you have to be eternally optimist. It doesn't mean that you can't see the crap in the, and I just like, was a, should I say the word, crap, uh, but it doesn't mean that you, if you see all the, the tragedy in the world that you dismiss it. I mean, Job went through immense suffering and disciples were died a martyr's death. But what I'm saying is, is, man, our life is good. There is so much blessing here and now. And the rapture is a strengthening event. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says the Lord himself will return. That means we get God. God's coming for you and me. We get rescued like the forest ranger, you know, hey, you need to evacuate, but it's the Lord, and he's got a helicopter. He'll get you going right out of there. He's come to pick you up. And then John 14, one through three, Jesus said it himself, I'll take you to myself. So we get to be with the Lord. There's probably no better place and relationship you could ever have, not probably, absolutely, than a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're at your best when you're with, with Christ. Some of you have experienced that through prayer or through worship or through just hearing the message of of God or in Bible study or on a walk through creation and you're like, man, I just, I'm I'm good. This is good. And we're going to be with him. So there's also a reunion. The the rapture is intended to be a strengthening event because there's a reunion. Fathers and mothers will be reunited with their uh, deceased sons and daughters that have passed away, or friends who never got to see each other are suddenly will be able to see each other again. It's a reunion. 
The rapture is, is the signal, it's the opportunity for an awesome, incredible reunion. And then additionally, in verse 18, we see that the Apostle Paul encourages the church in Thessalonica, he says that it, to be rapture ready, he says, encourage one another with these words. So it's a reminder for us. It should strengthen our faith. As we think about the rapture, we ought to be reminded to encourage and help build up other people right now and say, you know what? God's got a good rescue plan. And he promised, Jesus said, I'm going to come back and I'll take you to myself. That's a promise for me and you. The Apostle Paul talked about it too. I mean, it's all through the scriptures. That's why I hold to a pre-tribulation view with the rapture because it's the most scripturally saturated position I think that you could hold. And so it's a reminder that we need to be ready and we need to be encouraging one another in these times. And then it's a, it's a rescue operation. In Titus 2.13, he calls it a blessed hope. We have an incredible hope ahead. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says that we're going to be saved from the coming wrath. It's a total rescue operation. And in Hebrews as well, it says, let encourage one another all the more as we see the final day approaching. So I just want to challenge you to get ready to get right with God before it is too late. And I, you know, I think probably one of the most challenging things is as a believer is to say, well, how do I know if I'm ready or not? You know, but I, I want to tell you that the Bible says that if we have faith like the size of a mustard seed, then we could move a mountain. Um, the Bible says that to all who believed in him, that is Jesus, and all who received him, then he gives the right to become children of God. How do you get ready? I think you do what like Enoch did in, in Genesis chapter 5. It says that Enoch was just walking with God. You just, the Christian life is about just walking with God. It's not like a run. Like I've gone on runs before and then I, old Ryan starts to just kind of peter out after a little bit. And I'm like, man, I just, I can't do this. But then uh, my wife, she comes along and then she just kind of encourages me and I start walking again. The Christian life is like a, like a, like a walk. It's not like a run. So you just need to be walking with God right now, friends. You need to be just kind of on that journey because a lot of us will try to, we've seen it before in the Christian life where some people just start going real hard for God and all of a sudden they just burn out and crash and burn. But the Christian life is a life where we need, as being ready, it just means that we're, we're right with God. We, we believe in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look to God's word and we're just going to learn how to do life for God. I want to encourage you in the days ahead, you be ready by start reading this, this book. The Bible says in Revelation, it's uh, anybody who reads this will be blessed. I want you blessed and not so much stressed. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's good. And I pray, Father, for us as uh, people who are maybe even on the sidelines today that just saying, I, I don't know if I were to die today, if I would really be ready or not. Lord, today I pray that it might be the day, it'd be a turning point to say, I'm ready to get right with you. Lord, by simply acknowledging their sin, I'm separated from a relationship with you. And maybe in a simple prayer like, Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. I acknowledge my sin and I I, I need you in my life. I believe in you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. And I need to get right with you today. 
And Lord, your word says to all who believe in you, to all who have received you, Jesus, that you give them right to become children of God. So for all of my friends here today, or maybe online that are watching, I am encouraged, Lord, to know that you've adopted them into the family and just that simple belief. And in, in that simple receiving of a relationship with you and that offer. And Father, I pray that they would just confess your name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Lord, in the days ahead for all of us, might we, might we be proud to call you our high king of heaven. Might we be proud to be called a Christian and to live for you and be the ambassadors for Christ to help share and to show your love in a time where so many people are looking for answers. Help us first to get right with you and then to share with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.